Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 42 of Fed Talks Podcast. I'm Jimmy Chrisman, the host, and I am so excited that you have joined us for this episode. I have a really fantastic interview today for you with uh, Nicole Johnson from Colleen, Texas. She is a middle school theater teacher there, and uh, she and I have been playing email tag for probably the better part of a year now and uh, trying to nail down a time that we could talk. We all know that life gets in the way and then sometimes crazy things happen like a pandemic across the world to to throw us off kilter. So, Nicole, I am so, so excited that uh, we were finally able to connect and uh, uh, to have this interview and and to share your experiences with the Fed Talks audience. So I hope you all enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed having it. Um, Here's my conversation with Nicole Johnson. Well, I am so excited to finally welcome to Fed Talks, Nicole Johnson, a middle school theater teacher in Colleen, Texas. Nicole, welcome to the podcast, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to us, and tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey to where you are now with theater education. Um, so, uh, my name is Nicole Johnson. Uh, I work in Colleen Independent School District uh, in Texas, Rancher Middle School. Colleen is home of the biggest army base in America. Um, so it is a very uh, diverse community. I am a veteran. I was in the army for eight years. That's how I got here. And then when I got out in 2008, I just decided to stay and make this my home. So me and my kids, I have two children. They're 17 and 18. We decided to just stay here. Um, this is, I just finished my fifth year of teaching. Before I was a teacher, I was a journalist. Uh, I worked at a news station, did magazines, new pa- newspapers, things like that. And then before that, I was in the Army. So I have been in education, in media, and in government. Um, so I've seen a little bit of everything in life. And um, yeah, so now I just work with kiddos all day. Well, with with that very, uh, very diverse past that you have with your, your careers, how did you get to teaching? So teaching was always part of the plan. I've always been involved in teaching of some sort. Even when I worked at the news station, um, I remember when I left, my coworker was like, why are you leaving? I said, I need to spend more time with my kids. And he was like, but we are your kids. (laughs) So teaching was always there. I just didn't know at what chapter in my life I would hop on board. And theater, I'm the seventh child of 10 very athletic children. Um, but I don't have an athletic bone in my body. So theater was a way for me to find my niche and and get through high school and find my own way. And I did. And so I wanted to give that to others, uh, you know, kiddos. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was also, um, I was the oldest of three, three boys. Mm-hmm. And both of my brothers were very athletic, um, very involved in sports and all kinds of things. They were like the model all American boys and I was not that guy. Um, so uh, I, I can relate to that. So, um, well, 
talk a little bit about your your program at Ransier Middle School and uh, kind of what the size is and, and, and what you do with your kids there. And so um, when I became a teacher, I automatically wanted to, go into, wanted to go into theater. And my admin was like, yeah, but we need you to be English first because of your background. <laughs> But then we'll give you theater a little later. So I was like, eh, okay, let's shake on it. So um, we made that deal. So my first year of teaching, I was English. My second year, I was English and theater. And then I moved on to theater from that. Um, I started a theater program at my school from pretty much scratch. Uh, we had nothing. The kids were brand new to it. Um, and we just all came in together like, we don't know much, so let's grow together. And that's what we did. And so um, with the UIL competition, first year, my kids were ineligible to compete because they of grades. Second year, we placed um, third and went to finals. Um, second, third, second year, we placed first and went to finals. Um, and the third year, which is this following year, we went to final and won district. So we have really built on each other and I work in a title one school and uh, our kids need that environment. They need an environment where it's okay to be kids. It's okay to use your imagination. It's okay to be yourself. They need an environment um, to show how to respect each other, um, how to be vulnerable, and um, just to be free. And so I'm glad that I could come on board at that particular school and give that to them. Um, yeah, they bless my heart. Well, with, because um, I've started a new program as well. Um, that was my, my second school that I went to and where I stayed before I moved to Illinois. Um, what, uh, cause I have two questions with that. What, what, um, for, for teachers who may be doing that this next school year, um, what advice can you give them for that as they start their programs? Um, and then my second question is, um, those things that you wanted a program to provide for those students that you have, um, how did you do that? Um, well, the advice that I would give is to be patient, be patient with them and be patient with yourself and let them just be free um, and trust your instincts. A lot of things I had planned. I just knew that this is the way my class was going to go, especially my first and second year. And it did not go my first and second year in theater. And it did not go the way I planned, but I trusted my instincts. I trusted my own imagination. And then I gave the kids um, responsibility and leadership to, to take what they had and just run wild with it. And it, it turned into a, a, a very great year, a very great year. I didn't realize the impact. Uh, I was teacher of the year that year. And I did not realize the impact of what it's like to just let kids be free, you know, and then be free with them. If you can get on the kids level and you can show them um, 
It's okay to be goofy. It's okay to be crazy. I remember I used to put on a robe and a shower cap and and have cereal in my hand and tell them, tell me about this character, create a character in your mind, tell me about her, how old am I, blah, blah, blah. It's okay to get on that level with your kids. Allow yourself to do that. Um, so that was the first question. What was the second question? Sorry. With the with the students that you have and the the that space for them to explore and to to be creative and um, uh, to 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 give them that space to to grow. How how did you do that? And and what was the re, the response with your students? Um, my kids follow my crazy. <laughs> they always did, and I used to tell them, "Look, I'm gonna be who I am." And I'm sorry if you don't like it, but get ready because my class is different than any other class you've ever been into. So I was very much my wild, crazy self and they just followed my lead, which made them more comfortable. But first I had to establish the respect. In my class, we spend two weeks just playing games, Mm -hmm. team building games, different games. They think it's just games, but really it's trying to create an environment of cohesion and respect. And so we do that and piece by piece by piece, they come out their show um, in that environment. But I don't come in um, reserved. I don't come in, I come in as crazy as they come. And some, it takes some kids off guard. They're like, whoa, who is this teacher? Then they're like, whoa, okay, I can do that too. Of course, of course you could do that too. Do you wanna stand on the chair? Does it fit your character? Does it fit your scene? Stand on the chair, have a good time, be careful. And that that's, those are things that we do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to get into a little bit about um, your experience in the army as well as um, your, your work as a journalist and what, uh, what skills and um, experiences um, are, do you bring to your classroom from those? And how does that impact your work with your kids? Well, I tell my kids that I'm mean. I tell my kids, y'all better be telling people that I'm mean. They're like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just the discipline of having 30 kids in your room and learning that discipline um, in my early 20s and instilling it into my classroom. Um, I, it's funny because no one can ever believe I was in the army because I'm so like out there with the big hair and the crazy clothes and everything. They're like, wait, you wore boots and uniform for eight years? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I conformed. Yes, I did. Um, but just when I came in, I came in in 2000 and the next year was 9-11. So we were at war almost the entire time I was in the army. So when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, I never deployed, but I was always in preparation um, or supporting or welcoming home soldiers, sometimes in caskets. Um, so it was, it was, I grew up so fast uh, from 18 to 25. That's just what it was. And so I understand how some of my kids have to grow up fast. I get that. And so I relate to them with that. But um, just regular army uh, things like like discipline, like respect, like integrity, things like that, that were instilled um, to us in the years that we were in the army, um, accomplishing missions, accomplishing goals, 
you know, we have to do this. Uh, I am the type of person where I make a plan and I execute. And I like to teach my students that. And that's one thing I learned in the army. We're not procrastinating. We're making a plan. We're executing next, next mission. Um, so those are the skills that I learned from in the army. When I left the army, everything that I have touched has been about telling a story, a beautiful story in some form of media, uh, rather it was working for the media and then it was English and now it's on the stage. So I instill in my kiddos the essence and the beauty of telling a good story. I teach middle school, but we don't do middle school plays. We do very serious, very heavy things um, because me asking one of my kids who just came out of juvie, juvie or whatever to be Cinderella, I think that's insulting to them. Mm. Um, me presenting them with a story that, that pricks hearts and open minds and start conversations challenging, challenges them and uh, that's what I set out to do in my classroom and with my students. Do you have them create work? Yes, all the time. 85% um, of the things that they do come from their own mind. They created um, about 60, 65% of my classroom is group work. Um, groups that I make, I teach them, I don't care if you don't like a person. I don't care if you don't mesh with that person in real life. You're going to have to learn how to work with everyone. And I tell them, there's, there's a lot of teachers here that I don't like, but you will never know because we have to work together. And then, so that's just a running joke for the rest of the year. Miss Johnson, is it her? Is it her you don't like? Is it Miss so-and-so? Is it Miss so-and-so? You will never know because we learn to work together. Um, so yes, they create, every, everything is creating. Um, we don't, the only time we use uh, set scripts is when we do performances for contest or when they do monologues and duets. Everything else is coming from your, your mind. Mm. I love that. Uh, I just remember when I was, when I was in the classroom still, the, the, some of the best work was when I, I, I turned it over to them and let them create and, and tell their stories. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it was compelling and beautiful and tragic and funny and mm -hmm. it was better than much of the scripted stuff out there yes yeah i'll tell you these kids will they crack me up every day i'm <laughs> i'm almost in tears because they're so funny they're so funny and they're so creative well so why middle school well this is a very personal story. Um, when I was working at the news station, I worked overnight. I was the morning producer. One of our jobs was to listen to the scanner um, for breaking news. Um, one night I was listening to the scanner and I was married at the time and my stepson was involved in a shootout. Huh. He drove up to a stop sign. Someone drove up next to him and started shooting up the car. He was okay, but his friend that was with him was not. Hmm. And um, he was 21 at the time. Um, after that incident, my then husband and I sat down and we talked to him 
and we talked to him and we talked to him and we talked to him till we was blue in the face and told him about the path that he was going down and it wasn't going to be pretty. And, and he survived that by the grace of God, but he just didn't get it. We just could not get through to him. And so I thought in my mind, I cannot get through to a 21 year old, but maybe I could get through to a 12 year old. And so that's why I decided to teach middle school. And that's why I decided to go to my school, which is a very rough school in Colleen, Title I, um, Title I rough school in Colleen. I had choices when I first came into teaching and I, and I chose that because I wanted to be there in that pivotal time of their life where one decision could change the course of their life forever. So because of my stepson and, and his bad choices and trying really, really hard to save him, but we couldn't, he ended up going down a dark path. Um, but, but I wanted to save him 10 years earlier, the, the other kids, the other kids. And so that's why I decided to go to middle school. Wow. What, um, cause I think it takes really, uh, Middle school was not my niche. It was not. It was not my calling. Um, I, I worked really well with high schoolers, and that's. I think. I think it takes really special people to work with little ones in the elementary. I think it takes very special people to work with the middle school, and then I think it's special people who work with the, the high school. Um, so, I, as as a middle school teacher, what what do you see? Um, and it could be what you've just shared with us, but what do you see as the greatest need in our students or just young people right now? And how can we as theater teachers help them? I think the, the open-mindedness to allow them to be themselves is the greatest need. I, I low-key wish that I was kind of born in their generation because they're a lot more open-minded and accepting than we were, but they're still very much afraid to just be themselves. And I think that their biggest need is just a place, an atmosphere to be themselves. We do a um, spa day in my class and they just kind of meditate. And one of the things I tell them is to imagine a safe place um, where they can be free and, you know, just imagine where they are and, you know, how it smells and what it looks like and everything. And a lot of them tell me that it's my classroom. And I don't know how to feel about that because it's flattering and devastating at the same time. So just creating a, um, a loving atmosphere to let kids be kids. Yeah. I had a, a former student who uh, believes she's finishing up college, um, but she, I saw a tweet from her recently and she said, um, there's a particular smell that anytime I smell it or it pops into my head, it mm. automatically makes me think of Mr. Christman's classroom. Yeah. And it was a, a place where I felt safe, where I felt loved and I had my tribe around me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I totally get that. that I'm flattered, but it's also a little heartbreaking at the same time that that was the space, you know, that outside yeah. of that, they didn't have that. So I, I, I see that. And it's an awesome responsibility and privilege that we have as teachers to be able to do that. So it's such a good privilege. Yeah. And I, and I love it. I love, I love it so much. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear about um, some of your favorite uh, stories or experiences with your kids. Um, 
They can be <laughs> funny moments, poignant moments, heartbreaking moments, horror stories of things going wrong in a show. Just some of those that really stand out to you that, that help shape who you are as a teacher. Well, my second year of teaching, which is my first year of theater, um, we were doing a characterization unit and my principal was observing. And so I let three or four kids go to the back and pick out costumes and then come back. And then the kids will make up characters from what they saw, backstories and everything. One of my boys decided to put on a full blown wig, tuck his shirt up, put on a cheerleading skirt <laughs> and uh, he, uh, pom-poms. He had the whole nine yards and he just came out and I was like, what are you doing in this very conservative town? But we never got past him because the minute he came out, the minute they started creating a character and backstories was the minute we really started talking about transgender and same sex and how it's affecting their generation and things like that. And what she, the character was going through and her fears and her angers and things like that and all that kind of stuff. So at first I was mortified, but then I thought I, I, I couldn't have planned this better if I tried. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Me and a bunch of eighth graders who are going into ninth grade got to sit down and have this, this great conversation. Um, and there was an, another time where I had a girl come into my class as a seventh grader three weeks after her dad was murdered. She was probably on a fourth grade reading level. And uh, in my seventh grade class, the only thing she wanted to read were scripts. So in all her classes, they could not get her to read. All she wanted to do was read scripts. Uh -huh. um, and I talked to her, she was special education and I talked to her case manager and her reading level went up so drastically, but all she wanted to do was read scripts. She would like listen, like do the um, listening thing for her other classes, but reading scripts helped my baby learn how to read better on a, I think she left seventh grade on a sixth grade reading level, which was phenomenal, phenomenal change. So oh, things like that, bless my heart tremendously. That? That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I want to go back and, and touch on uh, something that you brought up about the hard conversations, having them with mm -hmm. the kids. Um, we're in a, we're in a, a, a really difficult time right now as a country. Um, yes. And I think it's imperative to have conversations, those mm -hmm. hard conversations. Um, and I, I'm, 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 I'm going to assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that, that part of being able to have those is the, the creation of that space where they mm -hmm. feel safe, where they feel loved, and where they feel able to be themselves. Um, what what else can we do as teachers to to help provide that space beyond just that initial creating that space? I think you have to learn and connect with those that you're trying to connect with. Mm -hmm. Learn how to connect with those that you're trying to connect with, whether it's someone of a different race, of a different gender, of a different social standing, you have to learn how to connect with that person and be accepting of who they are. Um, my school is probably about 60% African-American. And I think out of 62 teachers, we probably have 11, which is not a lot at all. Wow. Um, 
but those that are still in the classroom, no matter what their race, what their gender, they have to learn how to connect with those, we'll, we'll say black boys, because the black boys will, come, will become black men. And right now it's the black men in America that, that are, are racially profiled and things like that. We, I may not understand because I'm a black female and I may not fully comprehend but it is my job as an educator to do everything that I need to try to understand, try to connect, take their fears, um, take whatever they're hesitant about and going into the world and, and try my best to help them find peace. Um, even if I cannot um, fully connect with them because I don't have the social standing, the gender, the, the color, the race of them. So it's our jobs as, as as educators to uh, figure out whatever we have to do, research, talking, whatever we have to do to connect with, with those that need us the most. Yeah. Those relationships, those, those are, those are critical. And, Absolutely. and, and I, I, I appreciate what you said about um, researching on our own and educating ourselves, reading and talking to people and listening to people. Um, mm -hmm. Because better is better. It is. And it is. We're not always going to get it right, but better is better. And and acknowledging when we're wrong and mm -hmm. making those changes little bit by little bit. Better is better. Yes, yeah. it is, and it's it's essential mm -hmm. for the advancement of of society. It's essential. Yeah. So yeah. Well, with all the all that you you hear and you see. Um, I, this is another two-part question. One, how do you take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. um, and how do you... Because um, my, my sub-area of research with what I'm doing is, is trauma-informed teaching. And, mm -hmm. and how, how we, we as theater teachers specifically, we can, we can take that home with us sometimes. And, and the weight of what our students are going through can weigh on us. So how do you keep that from happening? And how do you take care of yourself? Mm, I don't think I do keep that from happening. I think the weight will, will just always be there. Mm. Uh, I don't, I, I can't release it um, because I'm a black girl and I grew up in an all white town. Mm. Um, I have a son. Um, I know that most of my kids walking through that classroom are minorities, whether they're Hispanic or black, and most of them will feel some sort of racism in their life. So I just, I just know it. So I, I cannot release it. It, it always stays with me. Um, I, I just pray that they know how to handle it when it comes and they handle it right, and they handle it with um, integrity, and and um, it doesn't hurt them in any way, rather physically, rather mentally, rather financially, or anything like that, um, as they go through life. It's just something that you just know is going to happen because there's so much subconsciously, systematically, there's so much um, so I just, I, I don't ever release it. And I don't know, 
how to take care of myself. I'm learning. This pandemic has really uh, made me take care of myself more because we get to the point, I think all teachers where we're just going and going and going and we don't even realize it. Sometimes I walk in and I've been gone from my home for 13, 14 hours. And I'm like, Dang, where did the time go? You know, it's time for you to take a shower, go to bed and do it all over again. Um, so I'm learning how to be more, um, more self-care for me, uh, especially during this hard time pandemic and uh, what's going on in society meditating, things like that, and just be more centered and balanced for me. That way I can be more of a blessing to others. Yeah. I, I love asking that question. And I, I, I think it, it helps teachers when they, when they hear, um, but it's a very selfish question if I'm being very honest, because I don't know how to do it either. So um, I like to hear what other people do and, and, and how they, how they take care of themselves. Cause I, I remember those days um, of, I, I would get there before the sun come up and I didn't have windows in my classroom and I would leave the theater after the sun had gone down. So I, there were days that I never saw the sun. Um, That's so, true. So yeah, I, I get it. Um, wh- uh, what is, I've started asking this question and I, I love, I love responses to it. So um, what, what is one of your favorite things to teach your kids? Like your favorite lesson or, or unit or project that you do with them? What is my favorite? I think it's a unit that I made up a couple years back called Back to the Future. And the premises of it is that they have to create a scene where um, somebody somehow gets transported back to the future. And the other characters in that scene, I mean, somehow get transported to the past. And the other characters in that scene are in the past trying to get them back to the future. Um, So they do a whole thing where they do costumes and they take my room and they turn it into their set. Um, And then they do hair, costumes, makeup, they write scripts, they have to do research. Um, In their script, they have to mention like three social things that were happening during that decade. They have to know the dialect and what it means and use it in the right form. I, I love that because each group, they pick a decade and um, it gives them a chance to connect with us uh, as we were growing up and to connect with their parents and the adults in their life. And I always tell them, ask your parents for costumes. They may not have any 90s clothes, but they can take a bandana and do wonders with it and show you how we used to wear it in the night. And so they get extra points if they bring someone in that um, lived through that decade. So I get grandpas that talk about Vietnam. Um, I get moms that uh, are moms in the 80s when Sonic was just came um, on board. Um, I get... <laughs> I get 90s like characters, like moms trying to be TLC and stuff and meeting the character. You know, it's it's funny, but it's it's a way to connect generations and families together. And the kids don't know how profound it is with the writing and the scripts. And I mean, they're doing basically, you know, a decade's worth of work. I mean, they're it's it's beautiful. 
they're just having a good time and the adults in their life are having a blast with them. So I think the Back to the Future project, I usually do it after spring break, um, is the greatest one because it, it goes far beyond my classroom. It brings families together, you know, and it's fun to see a 35, 40 year old mom coming to my room and taking the stage and, and being okay and comfortable to act, to have fun, to <laughs> wear her 90s clothes that she can't really fit anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> that that is my favorite project on all that. different levels. I love that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm I already, I can see certain teachers right now that I've talked to in the past who are going to be stealing this when they hear this. So that's, yes. a, that's a great project. We had teachers come in and teach our kids double Dutch. Um, I had a girl call me a hussy <laughs> one year. She was like, what, is that a bad word? I was like, read the definition, read what it means. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. She started crying and everything. I was like, it's okay. Now that you know what it means, don't use it anymore. But that's what happens when you discover new words and new dialects from new generations. You don't know what they mean until you know. But I'm not offended. But at first I was like, wait a minute, what is she talking about? <laughs> so it, I've had some great experiences with that. That's awesome. And it's such a great use of primary sources and, and mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. them just this real life dramaturgy work too. I mean, yeah, they awesome. do everything. They create characters, they create costumes, set design. They, I mean, they, they do it all script work. Um, you know, they, they bring in, like I said, uh, adults in their life to do improv. Basically the adults are doing improv and in it all, they learn, they learn about the Vietnam war. They learn about the riots in the 90s. They learn about different things in it all. Um, and the adults in their life are happy to teach them. That's great. So, That's great. Yeah. What is, what is one thing um, first year teacher Nicole <laughs> would have liked to have known um, before she stepped in the classroom that like schooling or life really couldn't have prepped you for before you got there? Things get crazy and it's okay. Hmm. Things get crazy. Even as an English teacher, I had a crazy classroom, but I never could have even imagined how far I would, how far my kids could go until I put them in, in a theater setting. And, uh, and, and that that's okay. That's okay. At first I was like, I told you the story about when he came out with his, at first I was like, oh my gosh, reeling in, but I should have never even reacted to that. It should have been a, wow, that is, wow. Like how your mind just like went crazy back there getting your costume. And I love it because you created what you wanted to create. So things get crazy in your classroom and that is okay. Just gotta be uh what do you think what do you call it? Controlled chaos. There you go. <laughs> Controlled chaos <laughs> is very like you said earlier, we have this privilege of no matter what stage of our life that no no matter what stage of their life that we that we get a chance to, you know, touch and bless our kids. We have a privilege too. And I think that we should take advantage of that and you know be the teacher they never forget uh because they need teachers that stand out like that break the norm and just let them know that it's okay to be themselves 
Yeah. 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 Well, what is, what is a resource that you are currently using or have used in the past that is a must have for teachers that they just have to know about? Um, I think a tribe is a great resource. Surround yourself by um, educators, theater educators and other educators uh, that come before you because that is very important. And then pay it forward to educators that come after you. I think a tribe, I was going to theater conferences before I even started my teacher certification because I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I built my tribe way before, before I even took tests, before I was even hired. You have to have that tribe because they will help you, they will teach you, they will guide you, um, they will calm you down, they will hype you up, uh, they will love you. So if you don't have a tribe of, I say five to 10 bestie teachers, then you need to get them quick, quick. And if I may add on to that, I think that is also a form of self-care. Um, That's true. That, uh, that, that having, having that, that, that group that you can go to, that you can vent yeah. to, that you can ask for ideas, that you can say, have any of you ever had this problem and what did you do? Yes. Um, or just someone to go sit and have dinner with and yes. <laughs> that knows what you're going through. That's important. That's important. And, and I'll add on, when I first started competition, our students were told in every school not to talk to the other students because we didn't want them to say anything disrespectful, things like that. We kind of kept each school separate. But as we went on, they saw that us teachers were friends and we loved each other and we respected each other. So eventually, all, everyone in the district started merging together and loving each other and respecting each other. And right before we went on, right before the pandemic happened, we had this big old skating party for every theater child, middle school child in the district. And I was like, look how far we've come. When you set the example, when you have that, the kids will follow, they will follow. And so having that tribe, having those friendships, having that love and respect for one another definitely reflects on the students and they definitely take it along with them. They do. They absolutely do. Well, Nicole, what are your parting words of wisdom for either new teachers coming into this field or even those veteran teachers who just need an encouraging word right now? I mean, the school year's winding down, but <laughs> I know my listeners sometimes binge over the summer, so they might need that to prep for the next school year. So what are your parting words of wisdom? So my parting words would be the parting words that every student says when they leave my class. And that is our saying, be silly, be honest, be kind. Mm -hmm. So like I've been saying, um, when you are a teacher, theater, math, whatever, don't be afraid to break the norm. Don't be afraid to be silly and show your funny side and show your crazy side and let the kids follow because they need that. Um, be honest. These kids are lied to enough, you know, sometimes they just need a place where you can be honest with them and just say anything, just know how to say it um, and say it with love and say it with kindness. And that leads me to be kind. Uh, I don't know, some, some of my coworkers are just mean for no reason, but we have to remember that our children are only children. 
And um, if you be kind to others, then they'll be kind back. I, I don't have very much problems with classroom management or anything like that because I'm kind to them and they're kind to me back and they have to be kind to each other for my class to work. Um, so be silly, be honest and be kind are my parting words of wisdom. It all goes back to those relationships, right? I mean, knowing that knowing your kids and, and knowing and, and them knowing that you love them and they can do those things in your space. That's, that's so important. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. The most important thing of teaching is relationships. And if we know that, then, then we know we got it. And I think, I think our world could hear that right now. So it sure can (laughs) well nicole it is has been a pleasure talking with you i know it's been a year in the making and i know (laughs) it has so it was so worth the wait so thank you so much thank you thank you for having me well, thank you, Nicole Johnson, for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate having you on and, and hearing your stories and sharing your voice. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, teachers, we are in an unprecedented time, not uh, just because we have the pandemic that we are still dealing with, but with the um, the 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 race riots that we have going on right now uh, across our country and world. Um, so I, I wanted to share something with you uh, that my husband uh, posted on his Facebook uh, that he put together um, that I think is really important, and uh, especially for the white teachers out there, um, that we what we can do to support people of color. Um, and I think these even apply to what we do in our classrooms with our students of color. So these are just a few things that I wanted to share with you. Uh, so I hope you can put these to use and that you find them useful. Number one is listen, listen to people of color and believe what they are saying. If you say, yeah, but you are not listening. Number two, ask, ask people of color what support they would like right now. If you are not sure what type of support is needed, see number one. Number three, support. People of color are more than capable of leading the charge against the oppressor. We do not need to be front, but the world does need to see us show up in support and solidarity. Number four, listen more. Number five, accept correction. We're going to say and do things that are rooted in the racist system we are part of. They are so much a part of the system that we do not always realize they are racist. They are. When you say or do these things, accept correction and change your behavior. Do not ask people of color to take on the responsibility of educating you on how what you said or did was racist or charge them with changing your mind. Take it upon yourself to learn more. If you're reading this or hearing this, then you are most likely only a few keystrokes away from Google. Google something, read something, research, do your work. Number six, learn about race-related trauma. We live in a system that minimizes and erases the existence of people of color on a daily basis. Do not label responses to this trauma as overreacting, ghetto, or thuggish. Number seven, listen even more. Number eight, talk with your white friends about race. If you are not the one initiating the conversation, then who is? Number nine, check in on your friends who are people of color. Understand that the almost daily images of people of color being killed is traumatizing, and so is the non-existent or apathetic responses to these murders. Reach out, check in, listen, and support. Number 10, practice self-care. Talking about race can be very emotionally taxing. If you have practice steps 1, 4, and 7, you have heard this from people of color. You must design a personal system that allows you to learn about, 
talk about, and do race work while simultaneously taking care of yourself. If you are not sure how to strike this balance, going to see a well-informed counselor would be a fantastic first step. So I hope you found that useful, and I hope that you are um, taking care of yourselves and continuing to provide a safe space for your students um, to let them know that they are loved just as they are right here, right now. So teachers, thank you so much for listening. Theater education students, thank you so much for listening. Theater education professors, thank you for listening. Check out our website, www.thedtalks.com, where you can find all of our past episodes, archives of the entire podcast on there for you. Each teacher has their own page with a picture of them so you can get to know the teacher a little bit, as well as their recommended resources that you hear in their episode. Go on your favorite podcast provider. We're on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, and tune in if you want the podcast to automatically populate in your favorite podcast app. Just go on there, subscribe to the show, and we will automatically populate each time there's a new episode. Go on there, rate us, leave us some stars, review us, tell us what you like about the show, and uh, most importantly, share what we're doing here with those theater education students and theater educators in your life. Please email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com if you have ideas for show topics, guests on the show, or if you'd like to be one yourself, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you've got feedback for me to how to continue to make the show better, I love hearing from you and I love corresponding with you. Fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Also interact with me on social media, on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com. On Facebook, there's a Fed Talks group, Instagram, Fed Talks Podcast. And of course, the website one more time is www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music, Magnetize, and Flip the Record. And teachers, thank you for what you're doing. If you're not already in your summer vacation, you're very close to it. Keep pressing on. You're so close, and you're almost there. It's been a crazy semester and year for us, so um, just continue to, to push on and know that the time for relaxation, recuperation, and rest is coming. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Check us out next week.